The medium is the massage, an inventory of effects. The medium is the massage. 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 The message. Massage. The message. Massage. The message. And the medium itself is the message. If we don't understand the medium, that is television, new media, e-media, the internet, painting, whatever it is, then we won't understand what the message is. And the medium itself influences society. Welcome to D-Next, the innovation podcast. And I'm your host, Paul Kuitis. On this episode, we dial it back while we dial it forward with the one and only leader, songwriter, frontman, spokesperson, artistic mind, creative doer, and uh, in many ways, national icon from the seminal 80s and now band, Men Without Hats. This is our interview. And perhaps if you wouldn't mind, just for the record, if you could state your name and tell us what you do. Hi there, my name is Ivan Doroschuk, and I'm the lead singer and songwriter of Men Without Hats. So thank you so much for being a part of this project. And um, it, it, it's really starting to, to grow and snowball because I think a lot of people are interested in what we're talking about. I want to ask you, just to start us off, why did you agree to this interview? What's what's so important about that time, the early 80s, uh, to Canadian music or just the music story in general that people should know? I'm, I'm, I'm promoting uh, shows coming up and a new record, so it's not really about the 80s. Well, what's it about for you? Just making music. Yeah. When uh, has it has that changed from when you started to where you are now? Uh, a bit, a bit. I consider myself uh, more of an entertainer now than I used to. Did you see yourself as more of an artist back then? No, I saw myself more of a politician. Really? Yeah. Because you felt that uh, that was a way to break through to the to the minds and the masses through music. Yeah, it, I, I felt that Top 40 Radio was one of the most powerful, still is one of the most powerful platforms in the world. Uh, and if I had a message, anyone had a message to get across, you know, they wanted to get across, that would be one of the places to do it. I, I just recently put together a documentary, which I'll share with you about the late 60s uh, and Yorkville and the folk music scene where you know, Judy Collins, Bob Dylan, uh, Gordon Lightfoot uh, kind of saw that as a political platform as well. Do you think music has always been and always will be a place for politics? Uh, less and less, probably. I, th I, I think uh, we're probably coming to a place where humans are not very much involved with music anymore. So um, at, with any, you know, like we were saying before, chat GPT, those kind of things are going to be taking over uh, a lot of the forms of art they already have without us knowing it. So. 
Well, I want to talk a bit more about your upcoming project because I know that uh, I've just been recently rediscovering uh, a lot of the catalog that you've produced over the years. And I've got to say, it sounds as fresh and innovative today to me uh, as it was when I first heard it, which I think is the mark of an artistic, truly artistic mind, whether you see yourself as that or not. But maybe tell me a bit about your your new album and the new project. Well, the new project is called, um, it's a double album called Men Without Hats Again, parts one and two. The part one is five cover songs uh, that range from Mott the Hoople to Lou Reed to the Rolling Stones to even one of covering the safety dance doing a sort of a slow ballad version of the safety dance. And part two is 12 new songs, <coughs> excuse me, that sort of span 40 years of history of Men Without Hats, there's songs that I wrote during you know, the early period, during the safety dance period. There's songs that I wrote, you know, all along the way. There's songs that I've been writing in 10 years that we've been back on the road in the back of the tour bus. And there's brand new songs that we wrote while we were in the studio that we got inspired and, and wrote some new stuff. So it's kind of a good sort of, uh, just a good, retrospective almost of, of, of Men Without Hats songwriting. It's a good span, it's a good sort of uh, spread of, of, of songwriting uh, through the ages. And uh, we, we put it together, we did it kind of old school fashion, and found a cool place to do it, rented a cool spot to do it, isolated ourselves and, and, and lived there and just made music and, you know, until it was finished. And so it's, uh, it's, it was a fun project, and uh, and now we're on the road to sort of promote it and promote our our back catalogue as well. It's the 40th anniversary of of Rhythm of Youth of Safety Dance, so we're on the road, sort of uh, plugging that as well. And uh, no, it's been great. We've had a we've had a good time. Well, I'm actually hoping to bring you to uh, Toronto. Uh, I'm booking some special events at the Alma Combo, which is a cool famous place and we're gonna I'm talking to some of your folks about that but my my question is then has your message changed since you started no my message has kind of stayed the same it's the same I mean you look at like uh, something like pop goes the world I mean the, the what I was talking about then is kind of the same thing people are talking about today the ecology and and uh, Mother Earth, and if we don't treat her with more respect, she's going to blow up. And 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 even the safety dance. I mean, you can dance if you want to. You know, it's it's, it's, it's the emphasis is a bit more on the if you want to today. But uh, it's just march to your own drummer. You know, don't submit to peer pressure. And these are things that people are still talking about. You know, they're still talking about stuff like that today. So. It's uh, it's enabled us to keep keep going, keep at it. So uh, it's been great. That sort of cross generational stuff that's been happening through pop culture, like a lot of TV shows, a lot of a lot of cartoons picked up on it. And my son discovered me through through the Crazy Frog video, uh, that type of stuff. So uh, it's you know shows like Glee have brought us a whole new generation of fans that you know and, and, then, and then there's the fact that that 
that the, when you turn on the radio today, there's a lot of, I think, a lot of 80s influences in the sound of pop music today, too. So, so a lot of those things combined keep us, you know, let us keep going. And uh, the message is pretty much, like I said, the message is pretty much the same. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's still, you can dance if you want to. Uh, I think maybe one of the reasons why your music does cut through the generations and the layers that are there is because of that power and simplicity of a very poetic message, which is very a very human message, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's um, things like the video help too. I mean, the, the sort of timelessness of the video kind of helped the, the for safety dance. Anyway, it helped help the, uh, the sort of timelessness of the of the message as well. Like, there's a lot of a lot of 80s stuff. You you watch the videos and you can sort of smile and, and kind of pinpoint when it was done. But Safety Dance video is, is kind of a timeless thing. And, and it's like watching a Western or something like that. You don't really, you can't really tell that it was done in the 80s. So it's, uh, it's good. It's was that an accident? Nice. So was that on purpose or an accident? Well, it was, it, it wasn't, uh, I mean, maybe that part of it was an accident. The, the, you know, sort of aiming for the longevity of it. But we didn't, maybe didn't know about that, but we, the funny thing that happened with that video is that it was sort of pre-internet uh, days, obviously, and uh, the producer of the video, Tim Pope, and I wrote letters to each other. We corresponded by letters, and he was in England, and I was in I was in Montreal, and we exchanged letters about what we thought the, the, the script of the video should be, and it was the same. It was the same thing, the same story. Mm -hmm. We both sent, and our letters crossed, you know, the pond at the same time. So. We uh, we really connected when we finally met. We really connected. Even even locations that I had picked in Montreal kind of were similar to the ones that he finally had chosen in in England. So it was uh, it was cool. It was a it was a magical kind of moment. Well, yeah, I think some of us call that synchronicity. And you know, I think um, when you talk about stories, there there is a mystical quality to both music and stories. I mean, I I, uh, I follow the work of Joseph Campbell uh, and just the power of myth and narrative. And I think I think there is something to this underlying kind of subconscious of, of, of thought, this dream state that, that we all share, which is probably why, again, what you ever you tapped into uh, endures and probably may even grow to be bigger than you ever thought sort of in the future. Do you are you satisfied? Are you satisfied with that as a creator? How does that make you feel? Oh, it, it's like it's it's like you say it's a bit it's 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 almost getting it's bigger. The song is bigger than me. It's bigger than the band. You know, it doesn't. It's almost as if it doesn't belong to me anymore. I feel sometimes I've said this before, like a a museum curator going around the world, presenting this musical artifact that brings immense joy to people. And uh, that's kind of that's kind of how it is. It's like the pop goes the world's being used as a soccer chant in a lot of countries now, and, and, and stuff like that. And when we start playing it, and we start playing it, people break out in their soccer chant, and we, when we play it live, we, wherever we play it. And uh, so I'm, you know, I'm 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 doubly blessed, you know, like that. I have two songs, like the, the both songs were were recently added to the songwriters hall of fame in canada and uh, and it just made i'm i'm so you know i mean i'm like i said i'm doubly blessed i i'm i'm a bit of a crate digger and a digital crate digger and 
when I see how many bands are out there that, you know, through the 70s and the 80s and just up, up until now, how many millions and millions of bands have put their heart and soul and life and money and family and everything else into it and never got heard, you know? And uh, people ask me how, you know, calling me a one-hit wonder and after telling them that Rolling Stone magazine voted me number one two-hit wonder of all time, uh, I tell them that, you know, that's it. I'm doubly blessed. I mean, you know, to have one hit out there is, it's, for me as a fan, as a music fan, it's just so incredible. Like, like I say, again, as you know, think of the gazillion bands that, that never got heard and just you know, sunk everything into, sunk their lives into it. It's, it's tragic almost. It's, I'm, it, I'm very fortunate. I, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I'm doing some work on a Leonard Cohen project now we're creating a museum the Leonard Cohen Museum and um, when you hear about the mythology around how many verses there are to something like hallelujah which was rejected at first uh, when it was first presented to the record company because you know the famous line was that they said you know Leonard we know you're great we just don't know if you're any good and mm -hmm. they didn't want to, you know, because it's hard sometimes and perhaps it takes time for a song to kind of find its place and to germinate. And, you know, uh, if you look at the work of famous artists like Picasso or, or Van Gogh, I mean, now, I mean, that's, you know, how many, how many, how many generations did it take before that sort of sunk into the zeitgeist? But it must be difficult in a way. Do you feel like, are you attached? to these songs? Are they, I mean, I know it's cliche, but are they a part of you? Are they your children? Or are they really just, you send them out to the world and let's hope they don't come home with any diseases. Like, how does it work? Yeah, no, I just, I it, I, I put it out there. Like I said before, the songs are, you know, getting bigger than me. And I just, I go out there and, and like I said before, also I, I consider myself more of an entertainer now. So I'm, I'm, I'm there just to, to give the, listeners what they want give the, give the people what they want to hear i wasn't like that before i've changed i mean you obviously you do change a lot you know as you as you get older but uh i can remember and like a lot of other artists too like you know not wanting to not wanting to play your back catalog when you had a new record coming out wanting to go out there and, and play nothing but the new stuff and and not understanding why fans were not you know so down with that that the fans wanted to hear the hits and the fans wanted to hear all your old stuff and they, they weren't really they didn't really care about your new songs yet you know and uh, so like i had i know other artists have had that problem too and you know i can still remember when you know back in the 80s playing you know playing shows and having fans yelling living in china and practically diving into the crowd to, to hammer them and say stop yelling for that song i've got new stuff that's way better you know so it's it's all a process, especially when when every, you know back then and I don't know I don't know if it's the same now, but it's you know every young songwriter would you think every song you write is a hit, so there's also there's also that you know there's also uh, these songs like Safety Dance for me was no different than any other song. It wasn't even the first single we chose for the record, and it was. They were all hits. They were all any one of them could have been a top ten hit, as far as I was concerned. That's that's just how I approached it. That's what I brought to the table. Well, yeah, I, I suppose those um, 
maestros out there who can detect a hit for whatever makes a hit a hit. Because I, as you say, quality-wise, you know, a lot of these are all the same. But if you're David Geffen, you seem to figure this out pretty quickly, and it you know serves you well financially. But when you're when you're out on the road now, does it feel the same as it did back then? Is there still like a core feeling, or is it different? Oh, it's 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 quite different. I mean, uh, back then, like I, I I like to say, back then it was more like being on a hockey team. There was a lot of competition. All the bands were, you know, there was a limited amount of space in the clubs to play. In, in you know, there was there's only a, so many Friday nights in a week, you know. So all the bands are fighting for that Friday, you know, the good spots. It's, in the clubs, you're fighting for the top 10 on the radio, you're fighting for spots in the paper, you're fighting, you know, so it was more like being on a hockey team. It was more like being, you know, on just the competition end of it. And now the competition is gone. The people that I'm on the road with now, whether it's, you know, either where we just finished the Winter Song Festival with with stars and then like there's no competition for me anymore my my job is done when i'm you know when i'm on a retro futura tour with flock of seagulls and the b52s the, there's no we're not we're not battling for the for spots on on the billboard chart anymore you know we're just out there to have a good time and and and, and make our fans happy so that's that's the difference it's a lot more relaxed now because of that too there's a lot less yelling and and hissy fits and prima donna behavior now there's not there's none of that now so so maybe a bit more obi-wan kenobi and less luke skywalker i mean do you feel like the elder statesman of of sound uh well yeah yeah, i guess i don't know what call myself an elder statement i'm getting there i got you know i got the years but um that's you know it's it's there again i'm i'm happy to be here I'm just happy to still be able to do it there's not that many people left a lot of my friends aren't here anymore and there this was a hard like there's not many businesses that glorify partying and drugging I mean you know openly support you know alcoholism and drug abuse and sexual misbehavior and all you know stuff like that so shortens your lifespan and it did a lot of my friends so it's like there's a lot of people missing for the uh for the joys that we have now yeah well i i'm actually uh creating a national city tv special around diabetes and i'm featuring a lot of music artists and i didn't realize it was so uh, uh prevalent in the music community there's a lot of diabetes for all sorts of reasons you know um you know lifestyle perhaps being one of them or even just the stress of the lifestyle which i'm sure it contributes to it but the um it's uh yeah it's not an easy it's not an easy ride uh this life of rock and roll yeah, no, it's but you choose it. I mean, you you know, you, you go to a Chinese restaurant, you get Chinese food, <laughs> and uh, so it's it's you know it's it's just it's it's part of it's part of part of the package. It's, I mean, I I, I ran into uh, a real elder statesman uh, of uh, rock and roll, and and his his first comment to me was you made it you know meaning you're still alive so, so. i um 
uh, and you've been very generous with your time. I've got two more questions and I'll let you get back to the, to the life. But, um, when do you, this is a two-parter, but do you, well, but, but you look at the, uh, you know, profound success of some current Canadian artists around the world. I mean, the top five of the top 10 sort of performing artists now around the world are from Canada, if not from the Toronto area. Um, what what do you make of that? I mean, is this, uh, do we punch above our weight in that regard? And why is that the case? Seems to be a tradition, you know, it seems to be part of being Canadian. You deliver uh, some big stars on a, on a Céline, Corey Hart. I mean, there's always been like, like there's always been superstars coming from from Canada. Neil Young's. I mean, all the way, you know, all the way back. You know, it's it's it's. it's uh, well, I I, a, I guess. I spoke to Nick Larry Clues of the Dream Academy, and he he would he was saying similar. He said he always thought of Canada as sort of this Ireland of the Americas, because when you compare the impact that Ireland has had sort of, you know, within the UK and population wise, that Canada see, still seems to be uh, the, the same. And when you look at, I mean, really the phenomenal market success of, you know, The Weeknd or Justin Bieber or, you know, things like that, uh, it's really quite, I mean, we really shouldn't be performing that well. But as you said, perhaps it's, maybe it is this hockey team mentality that maybe has, you know, uh, sort of spilled its way through the ages. Maybe CanCon, you know, a lot of people knocked CanCon, maybe that could have had something to do with it as well, too. You know, it's like the, the difference between MTV and much music. MTV was changed my life, you know. But the difference between MTV and much music is MTV played the top 10 regardless of what country it was and, and much music helped promote Canadian talent. So so there's there's a difference right there. When you okay, so we'll just we'll uh as we round this out, um uh there's one question and then sort of uh, one sort of capper, but do you have a, a, a message to the next generation of creators and artists? I know it's a very different world. Um, I know that you've changed to, since you started when, and I'm sure you get this, you get asked this question all the time, but when you meet sort of, you know, the next crew that's coming up, do you have advice for them or any kind of message or do you prefer to let them do the discovery on their own? Yeah, I don't have. That's one thing I've, I've that's changed in me. I don't try and get. I'm not true. I'm not pushing an agenda anymore like I used to when I was when I was younger. And I think that, I mean, I. They know more than I do about the business. Just these days, it's it's such a different world, as you say. That. Uh, I can tell stories. I can tell stuff like that. But advice. Everybody's got to figure it out on themselves. I think everybody does just get out there and do it that's 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 one of the things about the 80s that about this whole new wave punk new wave movement that 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 i sort of got into was the sort of do-it-yourself attitude that you know we had fanzines we were making our own clothes we were booking our own you know making our own shows booking shows making our own movies we were, it was all do-it-yourself it was all we didn't need the establishment. We didn't need corporate music business 
types. We didn't need that. We we did it was all so it was like alternate universe. So that was what was very appealing to me. It's freedom. It was an artistic. There was an artistic movement right across the board. It was everybody could get involved. Everybody everybody had a job to do. There was there was there was adventure to be had in in everywhere you looked. It was, it was great. One of, one of the first, one of the first punk rock experiences I had was going to see a show in an art gallery in Montreal. It was I went to see the Hummer Sisters and the Government bands from Toronto, and they had a big stack of TVs behind them, and a, one of the girls had a huge hand, shoulder-held movie camera type of thing, and she was filming the crowd, and the crowd was appearing on the screen behind them, and I just thought, oh, man, this is this is a new era. This is this is it. Uh I think the electricity and the excitement that you talk about in this alternate universe, uh, again, it's very reminiscent to sort of the beginnings of the the energy around the coffeehouse folk scene uh, uh, music, because I think it was a very similar philosophy and mentality. It was it was very anti-establishment in some way, for whatever reason, maybe out of necessity, maybe out of fashion, who knows? Um, it was inadvertently political, because I think it had to be, and I think maybe what you're describing, there is a political element to it uh, because I think it speaks to a, a corporate establishment that people were, and again, the eighties, you know, there was a lot of, um, uh, I guess the advent of the synthesizer. I mean, when you think about how revolutionary the eighties sounded to the sixties, that was only a 20 year gap. I mean, yeah. music in the last 20 years kind of sounds the same if you ask me, but that was a, a shocking sort of, you know, left turn. Um, and I guess that created its own energy. Yeah, it was Thatcher Reaganism was was just starting, and it was uh, for me. The, for me, the new wave movement was a, was a combination of of prog rock and disco too. It was it was you know, synthesizer music with a dance beat. It's like what Robert Tripp said: it's it, music is politics, and you just you vote with your feet. <laughs> I think that's a bit what we were after in those days. Okay, and I'm trying not to respond to your to your quips. They're very funny, but I don't want to ruin my recording because they're they're very good. Um, I um, and I know I respect the fact that you don't want to talk politics. Maybe at a time when the world needs you the most. But uh, when you are ready to, to talk about it again, I'm listening. Just so you know. Um, as we round out, is there anything that you think that we should know about you? or the work you've done or Men Without Hats that maybe we don't know or needs to be underlined in one sense? I don't think I'm out there. I don't think I have too many secrets that, uh, that haven't already been uh, divulged. Um, there's, uh, like I say, the message is still pretty much the same. The emphasis is on the, if you want to make sure that people have, control of themselves and just not to give control away too easily. Okay, well, I would concur with that message. And um, on that, I'm just going to end our recording, but I do want to talk to you for one more second. So thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you.
Sweet 